Today, we'll be talking about the album Lush by Snail Mail. Snail Mail is the musical brainchild of Lindsay Jordan. Born and raised in Baltimore, she's been releasing music under the Snail Mail banner since 2015. Initially releasing EPs and cassettes, and more recently a debut full-length album, Lush, released through independent record label Matador Records. Branded as an indie rock prodigy by Rolling Stone magazine, she's gained a loyal fan base and performed hundreds of shows across the globe. I'm personally a big fan of her music and style, which is why I've chosen Lush as our topic of conversation today. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoy the show. This is Lush by Snail Mail. You're listening to Between the Tracks, a book club but for music. Join the conversation at tracks.show. Alright then, come on, Bunty. Let's go. Yeah, man, we're on. Podcast time. Ford. Get your headphones on. Alright, give it some. I'm in. Alright, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode one of a new podcast that we're going to be putting together. It's a music podcast. We'll bring in one album or project or EP per week. Um, chosen by the three of us on a rotational thing. So I've picked this week, Chris will pick next week, and Charlie will pick the week after. Um, kind of like a book club, but for albums is what is the idea that we're running with. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of introductions, my name is Carl Lewis. This is Charlie Fowler. Hello, Carl. And this is Chris Albunte Bunt. Hi, Carl. Um, and so, yeah, I picked this week's album, which is Lush by Snail Mail, um, which we'll get into in a second. We'd love to have everyone kind of get involved and make this more of an open conversation. So if anyone does want to leave some comments or their own takes on the album that would be good as it moves forward we'll announce each album a week in advance so you can go away have a listen get your own kind of feelings on it and then come in and we'll all talk through it together so yeah um with that being said let's go straight in with track one which in this case is an intro and it's called intro so yeah here we go All right. Here we are. Here we are. Here we go. So intro, track one. It's a nice start, that. It's good, isn't it? I it's like, like it. scene. It really does. Do you know much about this album, Carl? Uh, yeah. This was your pick, so. I'd listened through it a bunch of times and really enjoyed it, um, but I hadn't really dug into who she was or they were and really gotten to know any of the background. I just knew that how I really you, liked it. How did you discover it? What um, was your, how were you introduced to Snail Mail? I discovered it for a friend. He sent me Heatwave as a track. Um, and in fact, I had it at his house a long time ago. And um, he sent it to me because I asked him who it was. And went back and through that, found the album, found the artist and kind of took it from there. Sweet. Like it a lot. Like it a lot. Yeah, it's good. I do like intros in albums. I think it's a good way of setting it up. I think if it went straight in with track two, it would be less impactful. I think mm-hmm. it's good to kind of have a, something that sets the scene, you know? Agreed. Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. And um yeah, I think it's I think it does a really good job of that. Um it sort of puts a feeling out there, puts a puts a theme out there. Um it doesn't continue along this path, I don't think. Um this sort of uh strip right proper strip back thing, but yeah. Um it is a, it is definitely a nice step into it. Mm-hmm. For me it was the yeah, actually 
it's the last note of that intro mm. and it feels like it's swelling up oh it does yeah, it starts it does to start, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it feels like i i'm looking at it from a live point of view i think that would be such a good intro to mm -hmm. the show obviously it's the first track on the album but it would be so good yeah as the first song in her show so i was um i was looking at this and looking at the um lyrics and things and um it's worth note uh, noting now early on that this we get back to this on track 10 mm -hmm. yeah uh, with any time um i don't know what you what what you've discovered about the lyrics uh, necessarily because it's not an entire it's, it's almost like a cut back in uh, a cut back verse a cut back chorus mm -hmm. half and half um what i love about it is that um in the intro so in track one we do um we only focus on the sort of they're, they're looking at the other the other person that she's singing about the other person so it's all addressed to the other yeah, person. addressed to them whereas when we get to any time the the verses are sort of more drawn out and they're extended and they start talking about um the point of view from her the, the um, first person point of view mm -hmm. um and i think it's cool because it's a it sounds from her really in the in the intro it sounds really bitter it sounds really sort of um i don't know um just aggressive mm -hmm. more angry yeah more whereas, confrontational yeah whereas at the end we get more rounded out and we get more warmth i think yeah. uh, but obviously we can we can hang on to that but um i was i was thinking about why though you would want to um start an album with an intro that's returned to is there i don't even know if there's that many just that many albums do that i don't think i know of any of that i mean there's quite a lot of albums that do return to certain moments throughout the album um can't think of an example but yeah mm. but never really that kind of bookend philosophy of yeah topping and tailing with something almost the but same. it's a cool way to to make that album a, a big circle i think yeah um it gives it a, its own cadence that it kind of i think so yeah a yeah um there are some differences between them too um the, the intro and the and track 10 anytime mm -hmm. um they are in a different key. The way that she sings it, this feels this feels a lot more. Um, I mean, she's she's singing in a higher register in this anyway, uh, a lot higher, um, which I think feels a little more tense. Mm -hmm. And then when we get back down down to the um, what I would imagine is the original key, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds more manageable, and 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 again, sounds it sounds a lot warmer and uh, more approachable. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, that's just, just my idea of it. That's just what I hear in it. I also mm. thought that this, I don't know what you guys think, but I thought this might be maybe a polished version of the demo of this track or an introduction as her as a songwriter mm -hmm. yeah. and quite a good way of leading into an album. I mean, I don't know what's to come. I didn't know what was to come when I was listening to it the first time and I thought, you know, maybe yeah. she's building up and showing us where she started it all with her and her guitar. I mean, I'm staring at the artwork anyway and she she's like front and centre on the artwork. Well, there yeah. you bloody go. I know. Yeah, it's all me, baby. Yeah, um, but I mean, it is her. It's it is Lindsay Jordan's. It's her project. Yeah, project. she writes the songs, takes them to the band, and then they kind of go from there. Yeah, um, she has them write parts to her ready finished songs. So yeah, but um, yeah, let's push on. Let's move into track two because this is where the album kind of opens up into more full length songs. So here's track two. This is pristine.
Track two, Pristine. Man, it's good. It's what good, isn't a it? banger. And this is one of the singles from the album as well. Is this the first single? First I'm, single. Yeah, first single. Straight and out of the gate. Was it uh, this and then Heatwave and then Let's Find It Out, or was it? That's how I saw it, yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. But that yeah, is a, great what, what an amazing, like, first single from an album. It's it's. It's like it's almost. It's, I, I don't. I should, if I should say flawless or not, I don't know. But it's a, it's up there. I think the intention was that she wanted everything to be flawless. Yeah, but it's coming out swinging. It's coming Trap out swinging. Mm. For me though, I was in like the mind that this might go into surf rock kind of feel, mm. which I love, and I know you know. It's Do you surf, job. Charlie? I, <laughs> He's I, a surf rock. You're not getting away tubes. with this. He catches tubes. I love any kind of music that transports me to any place that feels like it's kind of fresh mm-hmm. sea air and stuff like that. And I don't know this. This made me feel like this on this track. This made me feel like this on this track. That'll do. Cool. <laughs> um, but yeah. But then about halfway through the song, I was thinking this is too neat for surf rock. This is too polished. This is too thought out. And but still very cool. But still very cool. Elevated above, I think. Yes. There was also some talk. Um, where did I see this? I've got it listed here somewhere. I think it was in Vice. Um, that um, they did take in a song and use that as a reference point for this this song. Uh, it was a Sonic Youth song uh, called Incinerate. And if you go back to Incinerate and listen to it, there definitely is that. And I think there is that um, sort of 90s, um, shoegazy, noisy sort of stuff in mm-hmm. there. Um, I know that she also talks a bit about my, my bloody Valentine in a Fender video. Um, mm-hmm. She goes on um, about sort of like the the anger meeting with the sweetness. I think I think that's how she um, phrases it. Hmm. That's nice. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, and I think that's definitely what we get to in some of this stuff. Melodies are really sweet. Sometimes ramping into something that's a bit more aggressive mm-hmm. uh, musically, um, or um, with the way that she does speak and the way that she does deliver some of the lines. They sound um, quite. Um, uh, throw away in a sort of um, in a dismissive way yeah um, especially with the repetitive use of mm-hmm. anyways yeah she kind of rounds off a lot of sentences with anyways and it's kind of like a confrontation but then she feels like she's overexposed herself and then kind of pulls back it, and then at the end of the song it gets really confrontational that really is like a, that is like a script more so more so than a an out like um, some lyrics yeah know? yeah big time yeah. Um, and I th- she does that quite a few times doesn't she like throughout the album she does and she goes from she goes through a different emotional stages of kind of being really confident and, and confronting the person and then pulling back into a almost desperation like towards the end of this song it goes into lines like it doesn't have to be this hard i can be anyone yeah she kind of starts just begging almost mm-hmm. and so she definitely in each song and also in the album as a whole goes through a lot of emotional kind of journeys sure sure i know that when she was writing um pristine uh, in particular, uh, she was referencing the way that she used to write, um, maybe on the stuff that came out on the Habit EP that came before this. I, I think that was 2015, perhaps that was um, released. Um, and the point of this, the point of Pristine is that it's supposed to be melodramatic. Um, she, she does say that um, in an interview with The Independent. She says, uh, Pristine is very self-deprecating, sarcastic and melodramatic. I don't want to put myself in a place in a song that's pathetic it's good to be vulnerable but not pathetic um and then later on in another interview she says that that's a direct response to uh, to that ep so all of that sort of eye rolling sort of um approach with that i think is supposed to sound okay so she's leaning into the idea of yeah that. yeah yeah and it being a bit overblown um which is which is really which is really self-aware um uh to to almost be calling out 
the record that came before it, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, right. And especially at that age, because at 18, I was a, I was probably an emotional, more of an emotional wreck. And um, Still are. Uh, yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and definitely not that self-aware, because this doesn't sound melodramatic to me as an 18-year-old. This sounds like me as an 18-year-old. Yeah. Uh, probably making the wrong decisions in love and, and things like that. I, as we all what did. What a cool yeah. first single. And I think we definitely need to talk about the outro to the track. Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah, it, it takes a whole new kind of more intense direction. Yeah, like the the bridge, the, the bridge drops right down mm-hmm. um, and then slowly, slowly um, sort of builds upon that. And um, I think that's where she, for, for me, I, I wanted to find somewhere in the album that wasn't a lead single that I really loved and I thought was possibly the best. It's not, this isn't my favourite song on the album, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It's up there, but. It might be it might be drawing for my favorite album. It might yeah. be in, in joint first, mm-hmm. um, but I think she sounds the best on the on the album in during this outro, during that bridge into the outro. Yeah, it's pretty emotional. It's it's a goosebump moment. Yeah, it? yeah, I get it. I get I get those goosebumps. I didn't have goosebumps. I mean, I I didn't have them on the early listens, mm-hmm. um, which I guess if you've never heard a song, you. I think that's quite unnatural, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. To get goosebumps later on, it's only yeah. every now and then that you get a full kind of goosebump moment from a first listen yeah but i had to get this album in me a lot um i yeah. had to get it going through my mind until that sort of opened up in my mind and then and now every time i listen to pristine every time i get to that that bit who do you change for the way she drops the mm-hmm. the lyrics and, at the end of that line every time i get it it's amazing yeah it's such a such an incredible um end or beginning of an end to a song yeah she's fantastic at controlling the the emotions and hitting the beats at the right times yeah she knows exactly how to play yeah, play people's emotions. So, so a great, a great song, which is it's playing around with different sides of uh, sides of an emotional coin. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, all of these songs are relationship based for the most part. I think, I, I think they all probably, all ten of them probably are. All of them are, yeah. And I think um, I read in a article that she basically had all the songs written, but with no names until the whole thing was mastered. Right at that point, she give them all names. Up until that point, it was um, just people's names. Like people she'd written the individual songs about. Right, so right, right, right. It's quite interesting. So I, yeah. I, I initially thought it was an album about one particular relationship or a couple, but it seems that wasn't yeah. so. So smashing start, I'd say. Good but start. Happy yeah, to yeah. go on if you want to go on. Yeah, to... let's move on. Uh, this is track number three, Speaking Terms. Okay, that was Speaking Terms, track three. For me, this was, I um, don't know what you guys think, but much more traditional songwriting. I feel like the the mood, the lyrics and everything followed each other. Everything felt more like a traditional song mm-hmm. rather than yeah. maybe from what we've heard earlier, some kind of kind of unique ideas that she was having. Not, not to call this not unique, but I think it just felt more traditional than what we've had before these these yeah. tunes i mean i'm looking at it on the page and it does look it does look like that yeah mm-hmm. which is also not a bad thing to have interspersed throughout the album because it if anyone does drift away when things get slightly more off the wall i straight down the line really well written yeah, right. song does pull you back in I, I do like that yeah i think it's quite ironic one thing i did notice is that i really struggled to pick the lyrics out of this song for a song called speaking terms <laughs> and it's quite ironic that you can't really well, make that, it out. I, I suppose that's what i'm talking about as well like when you have something that's straight down the line sometimes 
it can all form one sound. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a good point, actually. And yeah. I feel like that might be, I don't know. Yeah, could that, just be getting lost in the... Yeah. And I don't know if that, not to take away from the songwriting in this at all, but that's exactly what it did for me. Mm-hmm. It definitely gathers some direction. Like it goes into a, about two minutes into the track, it dips down into a kind of ethereal soundscape breakdown thing, which I really like. But yeah, as, as a whole, generally quite down the line, but, mm. but in that... Yeah. yeah. When, when we were approaching the time to do this podcast, I think I was quite dismissive in my mind about this song but actually probably in the last couple of days mm-hmm. i reckon this has crept up for me a little bit i do like the space in it yeah i really do like that yeah um it's quite hypnotic in a way yeah there's a nice like the guitar tone is, is just right and and there's yeah there's a lot of room to breathe in it um she's very particular about tones and guitar tones and i, I read in an interview that she when it came to recording the album she was everything was played in clean right there was no kind of effect at that point it was all very clean and then it was produced into something more more raw and more right. and less polished. But yeah, she was very deliberate in how she wanted things to be recorded. Okay. Live, she uses um, her Jaguar, right? Her yeah, yeah, Jag. Yeah. I wonder if, she's obviously very particular about tone. I wonder if it was all recorded on that guitar as well. Mm. She or, strikes me as one of those people because a long, long time ago, there was a NPR, um, she was interviewed with by this guy and she was making like an omelette or something with him, like breakfast. And afterwards she did. <laughs> sorry, I wasn't expecting you to say that she was making an omelette with him. That's yeah, good. sorry. Yeah, yeah, to throw you off. But that was it. Yeah, this guy had like a show. It was like cooking with Barry, whoever his name was. And um, afterwards, she did a couple of songs, like session for him. And it was just her and an amplifier. But it was that guitar. Her and amplifier the, and an omelette. Amplifier and an omelette, yeah. Amplifier and frying pan. And um, that was way earlier in the days of Snail Mail. And she still had that red guitar. I assume she has that, one of those people who has a deep relationship with the guitar and kind of plays it on everything. And I takes wonder it if it's got a bloody name. Probably. It probably does, yeah. 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 Any guesses? Omelette. It's not <laughs> Probably omelette. Omelette. <laughs> Go and get omelette for me. Yeah. Out of my case. Someone tune my omelette. Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> the um the lyrical content of this song seems a bit seems to be about uh about a place, like about situa- uh, situational, if you know what I mean, um, in the world. Um, with the sort of move from your old house and this city can be so loud. So there's definitely that location-based aspect to this song. Um, and she's from Baltimore. She gives it quite a good review, Baltimore. She talks about it quite high, quite yeah. highly. And mm-hmm. um, I think she respects that maybe Baltimore isn't, um, at least in the way that she um, talks about it in a particular interview that I, I read about. Um, she does like, I think she likes the unadulterated part of Baltimore in mm-hmm. the... You wouldn't necessarily say all your favorite bands come from Baltimore. Yeah. Um, but I think those that do, um, I think um, she really appreciates. And I, I think, yeah, I think that neutral gra- playing field for, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I'm making a very good point there, am I? No, uh, you are. I think she she does love the place. And I know that in an interview I read that she moved to Brooklyn in New York. And then I think she survived like two weeks and then came straight back oh, to really? Baltimore. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I okay. think she does um, have a lot of love for the place. Yeah. And for home. And she's still, um, I'm not sure if that's the case now, but in a lot of the articles I was reading, she's still lived at home with her parents. Right. And she's very much a, a kind of homely person, yeah. family Funny life. that some artists go one way or the other in that sense of like, some people move to like New York City and they're like, yeah. cool, yeah, this yeah. is giving me all of those things I need in my writing. Some people are like, fuck this. I yeah. need to get yeah. back to the places that made me want to start writing. Exactly. Sure. Billie Eilish still lives at home. That's there, you, there you go. Yeah. I mean, she's probably got loads of homes now. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, for those of you listening at home, if you do want to check out a Baltimore artist, I would suggest Future Islands and go and watch the way that the lead singer dances because he is an incredible dancer 
I think his name's Sam. Sam, Sam the Dancer, right? Uh, Sam the Dancer was his birth name, but then he changed it to, I think, Samuel Herring, I think his Samuel name is. Herring, big, man. big fish guy. And he yeah. does a lot of grunting, man. He does a lot of grunting. He yeah. is, um, he is a, a force to be reckoned with, but incredible. Great. Um, let's move on, I say. This is track four, uh, Heatwave. God, it's good, isn't it? It is really good. This got me going, it. this tune. It's so good, man. It really does get me, this one. Ready, so, f- ready for a useless fact? You know I, you know I <laughs> love it. useless fact of the week. Here we go. Um, this is the third track in a row that's around 120 BPM, wow. which I thought was quite interesting because a slow start to the album and now we're up tempo. And a consistent tempo. Yeah. A consistent tempo. It's, it surprises me that speaking terms and he, well, yeah, speaking terms being such a kind of less... Mm. produced song and a bit more more space in it still at the same time still the same time quite interesting yeah it's funny that different like ways of writing can make the tempo feel different yeah yeah very true stay tuned for some more useless facts (laughs) (laughs) thank you over to charlie for the useless fact of the week charlie Um, doing the numbers over there crunching the numbers (laughs) um but yeah like i said in the top this is um the first song that got me into the band it's definitely um yeah as soon as i heard it i knew i knew i loved it it's it gives me that like I love the line, um, "Heat wave, nothing to do." Mm-hmm. I think we like it reminds you because I definitely romanticize the idea of summer, and whenever I get there, I'm sometimes like, "Oh, bit, bit boring. Not not much to do." It's like we think we always look back at that time of year as the time we do everything and the time we enjoy ourselves the most, but really, it's just kind of you don't ever see Carl in, in summer. Yeah, he's he's nowhere to be seen. We're all out at the beach, and old boys inside in the shade somewhere yeah <laughs> well maybe yeah he i am really, the prince of darkness he really is he really is the prince of darkness when you're younger right you know the the um temperature of the world is going up and stuff and we, we're having like the yeah biggest, we are we are in the having destroying the, the planet yeah, yeah we're having heat waves that are the hottest we've ever had and mm-hmm. stuff didn't it all feel hotter when you're a kid though I feel like it did yeah for sure it's yeah. probably because you're running about like a is it, yeah is it because you're less lazy when you're a kid and you're like let's go and find some water and jump in it yeah i think we just had so much more we were having so much more fun that we didn't have to complain about things like it being too hot. I think it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's much more things to be doing. The only thing you could complain about is whether or not someone's broken your stretch Armstrong or something. Of course, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> fact, we did, yeah, we did have a conversation recently about um, as a kid, which toy did you desperately try to break and which was the most difficult? And we all agreed that it was stretch, stretch Armstrong. Armstrong. Yeah. So whenever we get our first um, true fan of this podcast, if they send us a, a send us a video, arm, no, yeah. no, send us a stretch Armstrong. Yeah, oh and, yeah, we'll, and then we'll, um, we'll immortalize that person somehow. Yeah, um, but we could we'll do just with name a, it after. We them. could do with a stretch Armstrong. Okay, for, there you uh, go. Uh, uh, let's set up an Amazon wish list <laughs> with, with just a stretch Armstrong on it <laughs> and an OnlyFans for Carl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the printed darkness. The darkness. The OnlyFans. One ninety nine a month for all the dark and weird pictures you need. Carl, can you turn the light up in there? No, I can't. Absolutely not. <laughs> Unsubscribe now. Here's your money back. Um, moving on from the childhood thing, though, mm-hmm. I felt like this track, when I listened to it, made me think about the old kind of um, coming-of-age films. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I thought that this might be like a modern-day soundtrack to that. Like, if you look back at American Pie or something yeah. like that, of our coming-of-age films, right. The ones that have aged really terribly now. The films that have done terribly (laughs) in their aging process. I feel like this track in a modern day film would have made me feel all those things again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Big time. Yeah, it does have that. And it has a, um, 
Yeah, like a, a nostalgic feel to it. Definitely. Which for me is like, you know, nostalgia is almost a form of sadness sometimes when you listen to something like this and it raises up those nostalgic yeah. emotions. Yeah. You look back on a on a time where life was much more simple and mm. It does feel like, Definitely. it feels like, you, it feels like youth, you know? Yeah. Feel, the times, the times that in the moment you didn't realize were the most simple times of your life until yeah. you get to now and look yeah. back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've agreed on the toy that we would destroy. Yeah. What was, I, I reckon we might agree on our favorite lyric of this as well. See if we're all the same on this. Cause I've, I've got two. Ooh. Mine are two recurring themes. The first one is the, I hope whoever it is yeah. um, holds their breath around you. Yeah. I'm going. And then with, return to with, I hope the love that you find swallows you wholly. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm That's just. I'm with you on that. So good. Yeah, that rises up a tiny little misspent youth teenager inside me and he's crying his eyes out to that. <laughs> <laughs> he's crying his green eyes out. Green oh, eyes. oh, yeah. 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 Deep cut uh, reference. I'm just looking at that line. Are you? It yeah. says green eyes. That's what if it said like banana sausage? Would he's, you still read it? He's crying his banana sausages <laughs> out. <laughs> out of his pants. Yeah. Um, music video is worth mentioning. She's um, running around in an ice rink, hitting hockey pucks at uh, men. Yeah. And I know she was- <laughs> right, right in the chops. Right in the chops. Yeah, right in the kisser. Um, and she was a on a boys hockey team when she was younger. Man, so she's good. She's really cool. good at it. She's great. She's on the ice in the video and she is gunning. Yeah. She's running fast. So. I so believe that is a traditional. Did they say gunning? They I think say it is. gunning on there. Yeah, yeah, it might be in the, is that in the Western it's Cape? The, I think that, that yeah, league the, is where they say gunning. Western the, Cape. Yeah. The Western Cape the Western Hockey League. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gunning it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what they say. I think so. Um, I think again, maybe it's with the, because they're singles perhaps, um, they are, I feel like they're latching onto something. And this goes back to that 90s thing again. Mm -hmm. Like now, like, especially with that, there's that, like, that solo, that guitar solo towards the start. Mm -hmm. We're going to call it guitar solo. It's quite short, but it's yeah, a, a like little a lead break. break. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that sounds, for me, that was Dinosaur Jr. Then, uh, as soon yeah. as I heard it, like it was yeah. a fuzzy 90, yeah, 90s era. Yeah. It's one of those things that you could never play twice, isn't it? Yeah. It's like it yeah. also like Jack Jack White style of just a kind of mm. no, the the mm. noise and the and the texture of it is more important yeah. than what's being played. So it's just totally a kind of really nice yeah. place. Love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really fits in. I think. I mean, that's all being done anyway. A lot, I think. Um, that that sort of nineties aesthetic, American aesthetic. Yeah, um, in a good way. It's not. Yeah, being, I, it's not being repetitive on, on a time gone by. It's a, a rebirth of. A, I think so. A I really good so. genre. Yeah, and, and I'll stand by that. I, I think it comes from the right place. I don't mm -hmm. think it's. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem out of place. It doesn't seem convoluted or anything. And um, yeah, I but, think it's a good time for music, and in in the respect that this stuff is getting more of a platform than ever, and for sure, and really kind of coming back towards the mainstream. Um, and again, towards the end of the song in this one, she does that classic Lindsay Jordan thing of having a really emotional goosebump builded ending into a, into a plateau. I think she's just so good at dynamics. Yeah. Yeah. So good at hitting Endings right are, for her are, are a thing, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. The way a lot of these songs end are so interesting and, um, they, a lot of them do ramp up into an ending. I think mm -hmm. they do. They do have a, a full blown outro, a proper outro. Definitely, especially and and normally kind of preceded by a, some sort of bridge or breakdown. Yeah, yeah, and then out into a kind of climactic crescendo ending. Crescending, yeah. yeah. crescending. Uh, this the musical. Is, but this has been, yeah. This is a this is an awesome second single though. Mm -hmm. um, For sure. As instantaneous as Pristine, I think. Yeah. Um, Definitely. You know, if you can hear that, if you can hear that for the first time, you're going to go well. What's that about? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's have some more of snail mail. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking and of her. having more yeah. of snail mail, let's move on oh. to track. Sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> These are rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to track five. This is Stick. Still 
track vibe stick. Welcome back to my useless facts. <laughs> Charlie's useless facts. And here we go. Did you guys know that this was the longest track on the album? <laughs> Coming in at five minutes, 13 seconds. That's a worse fact. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> one single cricket. One cricket. It's giving you one little scrape. Uh, what does that mean, Charlie? It means nothing, Chris, but I thought... <laughs> But I thought it was uh, interesting yeah. somehow. It's, it's good to know. Oh, you know, it's 10 If you're track. ever in a really obscure pub quiz in Baltimore, this might come up. If you're in Baltimore and you've got, you're in the pub quiz and you're looking for the longest track of this record, it's Stick. <laughs> and the whole, the whole band are in the back corner on a table. <laughs> yes, one of us now, man. Yes, here we go. I swear, yeah. five minutes 13. And we'd like to, we're going to do the numbers. Uh, coming in last place is the, the team Snail Mail with one point. <laughs> <laughs> so what he's saying is, We've got one song that's the longest on the album. That's what we're saying. This album yeah. does have a song that is the longest. Yeah. Thanks for letting us know. Oh, not the shortest You're welcome. is. I wonder what the shortest is. I should have that written. Down. <laughs> yeah. I, don't. I know what it is. I'm going to go the intro. Off the, yeah, I was going to say off the cuff. That really small start. That's yeah, probably the really it. short song at the start oh, is probably the shortest fuck you song. you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go in on stick and say that this is actually my favourite song. I really? Think. Yeah, wow. yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's Which is unlike good. me. It's unlike me, this sort of song. But um, it's up, well, no, no, it's on, sorry, it's joint first mm -hmm. with Pristine for me. Yeah. I love it. I think the um, the melodies are great. I think the melodies are awesome in the song. Um, I just love its, I love that. I love its structure. It does this cool sort of, uh, sort of post-chorus um, thing. That's what, that's actually where the. Is that the, did you tell all your friends part? Yeah. Yeah. Tell all of your friends. Yeah. You Incredible. Don't if I, yeah. You don't I'd mind if I try and launch my. Demo. Do you mind if I try and launch my own music career? Uh, no, so no, go for this it. This is the platform. For it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is it. As um, long as all your songs are five thirteen, I'm, <laughs> I'm in. Who releases an album of, of song songs that are all the same length? Does anybody do that? Probably Charlie Fowler. Really, I have a few. Yeah, that's a more interesting fact than if you've got one longest song on an album. Oh. I could imagine you being like a radio, um, a record label executive, like at a desk with a cigar in your mouth and a suit on, and someone coming in and being like, "Hey, sorry, Pete, it's like are they all five minutes thirty eight seconds? No, <laughs> they're not. A Get the hell out of my office." <laughs> Get go. Um, yeah. No, but she does some. She does some of those things that I really enjoy across this this song. Um, that that appear elsewhere in the album. So mm. it's that conversational thing. Um, yeah. Some really good lyric stuff that I like. They're sort of barbed in a way. They're they're a little bit bitey. Um, there's the bit in the in the post chorus. The post chorus I just adore. I think it's great. Um, where she begins with, "What is it about them?" And then she says, what is it with them? I just mm -hmm. love that. I love that switch. In, in two lines, it shifts the, yeah, whole, yeah, yeah. the whole yeah. dynamic. And then yeah. at the end of that line, she does this. <sighs> oh, like yeah, a throwaway. Yeah, cool. yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? I, I was definitely drawn in lyrically to this tune more mm. than any of the previous songs. Mm -hmm. And um, talking about kind of the phrasing, the way she phrases her lyrics. And I always find that at the end of a phrase is where she kind of throws it away, yeah. as you guys are describing 100%. it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that, that was like, okay, I understand her style now. A signature move. Her yeah. signature move. Yeah, like know? not hanging on that note, actually yeah. just going, uh, Tossing mm -hmm. it away, yeah. and I thought that was so cool. It has a, like yeah. a purposeful laziness to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, um, um, sorry, you go, you go. No, no, go on. I thought it was really interesting, the, the lack of vocal harmony. We all, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all yeah. love a bit of harmony. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're suckers for harmony, actually. Um, but it's just her vocal in this tune. Yeah. And I thought for a track that's down-tempo and opens out more, it was really interesting that she didn't thicken any of her points or 
parts of the song with harmony to reinforce some of her mm. like, lyrics or anything like that um yeah it maybe can, it can draw you in that like i think yeah. most of the album there's not much um of any backing vocals or harmony and i think that's done on purpose i think it's one a hangover from a kind of just her and a guitar singer songwriter days and also it's a lot more endearing for the listener if you're going to be so emotional and so open with your kind of emotions in the in the content i think having just one down the middle vocal is a lot more endearing and a lot more drawing in yeah, for the listener. Yeah, yeah. I think especially if she plays on that. Especially if, you know, if you've got a voice like that, that is... Yeah, that exactly, like yeah. That. Totally. Um, <clears throat> she was never really keen on her voice, I think, was something I read where she she learned guitar for so long and played as a guitarist in a couple of bands, but it was only once she found her kind right. of tone and voice that it, it, it all kind of came to life. But these, like going back to that, Charlie, all of these songs boiled down, they, they still are a guitar... It's, it, it can be a guitar and a vocal. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, there's not too... This is probably, you know, if you if you hear this album, I know there's two others on the, the album um, who we haven't spoken about yet. We, mm -hmm. haven't, we haven't mentioned um, Ray Brown and Alex... Alex bass, bass player on bass. bass. Unbelievable. Alex bass on bass. Alex, he, it couldn't be any different. It, you'd you have to be a bass player if you're you Alex would. bass. Yeah. I uh, played bass and I, tried, I had to bloody jar it into my email yeah, address to yeah. make it look cool. <laughs> yeah. Charlie Fowler bass. Yeah. You could hyphenate it. That could be your, your oh, second sound. Fowler bass. Fowler bass. Fowler yeah. bass, yeah. Um, but this song, the songs on this album don't sound like they're more than probably a four-piece. You could probably, they, you won't lose it a lot by being a four-piece on no. the road, I mm -hmm. think. For sure. And that plays back into the point I made earlier, or the, or the, the um, thing that I brought in earlier, talking yeah. about um, how she takes them into the studio as a, as a completed song. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the band play on top. So yeah. The, yeah. In, in its essence, it is always and has been a one person one guitar yeah yeah guitar you, song you know you're talking about endings on the last track yeah mm -hmm. favorite ending of the album for me it's so for a song that's quite it flows and just has um it has such a definite ending yeah I thought it was so cool oh of course because this is the it doesn't make sense yeah it's like a snap ending yeah boom could have been could have quite easily been a fade out could have been a fade out <laughs> guys how about a fade out and it's worth mentioning this song was initially on the habit ep yeah yeah and after playing it live so much, after touring that EP for so long, they had a new sense of the song, playing it in big rooms and kind of re-recorded it and put it on the album. They went into the album with a lot of songs completed and ready to record, but this was redone and, and brought in, which is I don't think it suffers from that either. I, I, have you, you've listened to... To the other EP. version. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is just a... So that, again, that reiterates the point that that was a guitar song with her on vocals. That yeah. was just her... There's not a lot. There's a slight, slight adjustment in arrangement, I think. There's a little lead-in intro. Um, it might be a little bit faster, but apart from that, it's the same song, but without a band, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this is... I, I prefer this. And actually, having gone back and listened to that um, and watched them live, you know, getting that sense of how what they are as a band rather than just what it, they are as a project, um, they've got quite a few videos online that are, are before this album was released. Mm -hmm. And they're tight. They're really, they're such a good band. They're a brilliant band, yeah. They're, they're, for me, they're better than they sound on the EP, mm. which, um, I mean, that's great. I mean, that's that's good to, to hear. I mean, it's, it's good when you are blown away by a band live, especially. Um, but I think the the difference between, like the step up between that EP, moving through seeing them, or seeing their live videos, I haven't seen them live, but seeing their live videos into what has now become Lush. Um, I think the the transition is is so strong mm -hmm. and doesn't dilute anything no and that's there's a um 
she's been given a lot more resources for this. Yeah. Obviously the, the Habit EP was just a bedroom EP almost put, put out through Sister Polygon Records. Mm. And then she signed with Matador, yeah. which was quite a competitive process. Sure. I heard there was a lot of labels trying to sign her at that time. Yeah. And at that point she references that Matador was the right choice because they gave her almost full creative freedom mm -hmm. and was just like, go and make the album that you want to make and let us know. The dream. And yeah. the dream, yeah. And so with that, she had the right resources to make the music she's always wanted to make. I feel like uh, Sticky and Habit were kind of almost the just the tapes to get her out there. And then this is her real, real first proud of body of work. I'm not letting you get away with Sticky though. Sticky was the first EP before Habit. Oh shit! I thought oh, you were yeah. just miss miss. See, you just miss, miss, miss Sticky. Now she released an EP called Sticky, which oh, was a few that. tracks. Okay, and she put it out herself, and I think it was re-released on cassette when she went on tour, and then she later took it down off the internet oh. because she just mustn't have liked it I anymore. See. But it's still out there um, to be found so. so so i've just made myself look stupid actually you've made yourself look very sticky sorry in a, you're in a sticky situation I'll, I'll go add some sound effects of me walking out of the, of the room uh, and later <laughs> on in post yeah i'll do it i'll do it in post yeah. um before we before we move on to track six though i will just talk a little bit about the studio because i did go on to this i did look up the studio and just see what was going on there and um weighing that against um Lindsay's opinion of of the recording process is really good so i went on there website they're called um i've got them listed here somewhere um the outlier inn is what they're called so that's in the catskill mountains in new york state above new york city apparently i've not been um so on their website they they name themselves as a retreat recording and mixing facility where time space and inspiration are the most valuable pieces of gear <laughs> written by l ron hubbard no it's that's what i'll give them that <laughs> i agree i agree um but in another interview <laughs> what she said about it because uh, i think she found this process quite difficult she said uh, it was like this fake relaxing environment with a pond and animals and shit and like trees and shit so it was supposed to be relaxing but i was going crazy she tells me laughing i thought we were in purgatory which i think was uh, <laughs> a stark contrast uh to what the outlier in i wonder if the outlier <laughs> yeah. in have that in the testimonial <laughs> yeah. section or on yelp oh, reviews yeah. yelp reviews wow um loved the fake relaxing environment fake um, relaxing oh. environment yeah poor guys they've probably put a lot of effort into that big shift in there yeah actually i think they, they were the first band that recorded in studio a in there i believe they were they were the maiden voyage the fact that it's an inn makes me think it was a hotel you can stay there you can stay you can um you can stay there through airbnb they were like no one ever paid for breakfast let's make that room into <laughs> <Yeah>. a studio <laughs> <laughs> we're on to a winner here lads absolutely yeah all right then well let's uh let's push on um this is track six let's find it out So apparently this is her favorite song on the album mm. and i'm with her i loved it i thought it was such a cool song it's your favorite yeah and it's funny that because i'm definitely a fan of like a traditional um uh fuck what do you call it you tell me traditional bloody sections of a song like a verse <laughs> oh, structure. Structure. structure that's the <laughs> word um and i'm definitely a fan of that mm -hmm. most of the songs i really love will be quite traditional in their structure and this is pretty much three verses. Yeah. It has structure, but she makes some interesting chord choices. And yeah. It, it does, she keeps it interesting. But there's no chorus. 
is what no, I'm trying to say, no. basically. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. But it also has, it's the first time we kind of hear harmonies, vocal harmonies, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Oh, some in this? Yep. Okay. I also thought this is probably an absolute bastard to play live. Mm. Yeah. And I know she um, references in interviews that she's classically trained. Yeah. Mm. It's on her bio as well. We'll get to her bio in a bit. Yeah. yeah. But I think maybe it comes through pretty well on this tune. It, uh, I think she has, because obviously being classical trained doesn't mean that you're going to make classical music, but I think it gives you an understanding of of the musical spectrum so you can make some more interesting choices and, and have a deeper understanding. And she definitely shows that off, I think, every now and then. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I feel like in that sense as well, it, it pulled me away from the tight genre net that, you know, you could have put her in before. And I feel like this is stretched out somewhere different and mm-hmm. it feels different and it doesn't feel like crystalline guitar pop which is what she, what, she what describes yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure well and and it goes against that conversational style i think this song like even again i've got the lyrics in front of me here because uh, i'm awful with lyrics so i need to read them um but it looks more like a it's, it's more po- it's more poetic looking at this mm-hmm. it isn't um th- there's there isn't this big playing around with lots of different um interesting um sections post choruses chorus bridge it is literally those three verses which re- which look like they're three verses of a poem i think mm-hmm. and there is more of that um poetic flowery language mm-hmm. that isn't necessarily featured on a lot of the rest of the album i think yeah i mean one of the lyrics what was in the first one like june's going red yeah yeah it, it's yeah it's a departure from yeah yeah it has a lot more imagery rather than a, an insight to a conversation absolutely yeah yeah and and it's a, it is a really nice change of pace but it is an odd this is the third single mm. which i which strikes me as a an obscure choice i think it, it is an obscure choice and she could have made a different one and gone for something more commercially commercially viable but again this probably feeds back into the trust that matador records has in her yeah. as an artist to yeah. be like she's definitely chosen her singles especially if with what charlie's saying about this being her favorite song on the project i like the audacity of just being like this is my favorite and this is the one i'm going to show to people yeah isn't that funny though because lyrically she's leaning against away from what the album's kind of about in a way yeah isn't that funny that that's her favorite track and yeah it's, and it's arguably one of the most different tracks yes. to an usual style yeah. yeah it's true yeah true. that's a good that's a good uh a good point to make that yeah and it sits like the order of the album is something that I quite, I, I know I can I can sense has had a lot of thought into it, and so she does intersperse um, these kind of off structure, off off brand, if you will, songs between the kind of more obvious snail mail tracks. Yeah, and I think that's definitely a good creative decision. So just For as sure. you think, feel like you're getting really on board with the the way she writes and the way she she um, writes songs, then you kind of caught off guard by something like this which is more poetic and i like the way that happens it keeps you from getting too bored by things yeah the only thing that could have made it better for me was uh it should have been 513 yeah i was gutted yeah it was near perfection <laughs> um the song itself is a is a, even though again we're still on relationships it is a it is um referencing um this idea of being on a tour i, I know this because it is um, on on the website on her website, so she has got a bio, which again is is quite different. Not a lot of artists 
do artists have bios on their website? They do. They normally put them on Spotify and stuff, but it's never something that's right in your yeah. face like on the website like this yeah. one is. If is it, it was the... a song about being on tour, they should have called it Let's Find an Outback Steakhouse. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. Why aren't you using any... Thank you. Sorry. Uh... <laughs> or should it be this one? Probably. No, probably yeah, not okay. All right. um, either two of them work. Two for two on terrible yeah, jokes. Two for two. Um, but it is, yeah, it's about that. And um, you're always coming back a little bit older. I like, for, I, I would have assumed it was about a time of the year when uh, maybe, we don't necessarily have them here, but um, in America you have like a summer camp. Mm-hmm. I imagined hearing this as she's returning to a place during a time That's and cool. seeing that same person every time, which is what it is. It is like when she, um, when she's been on tour and she's bumping into the same people um, and the relationships of that um, is what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. She, um, uh, speaking of uh, going to summer camp, she did actually go to rock camp. Something called rock camp. Rock yeah. camp. Rock camp. Man. And they just go and clean a load of rocks. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they sleep on a load of rocks. Look at this rock. <laughs> Play those goddamn crickets, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I just think they're neat. Yeah. So there's that, yeah. Um, but yeah, the bio is really good. It's well written. Um, the font drives me nuts. The yeah, font's awful, yeah. Fonts. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it is good. It's a good insight. Um, and it's written in quite a descriptive way. It's, it's, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So a nice, this is definitely a nice transitional piece, I think. Mm, for sure. Um, I'll take it. It's not my favorite though. For, for, it, for it to be hers comes down low on the list for me. And it wouldn't be my, it wouldn't be my single choice either. But mm. it probably wouldn't be. Yeah. But I, there think, is something... I think I need to get a job at Matters or Records. Yeah, um, this is it. <laughs> Dude, this is so me. This is it. Well, obviously the decision worked. If if um, we could argue that this is one in three. Yeah. So that for the rest but of But let's go on to the next song, which let's is my go. single of choice. I it think is. probably, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, this could be one of my favorites on the album. But yeah, this is um, track seven. This song is called Golden Dream. Okay, that was track seven, Golden Dream. Arguably, I think Mining with Chris is one of our favorites on the album. That's your third single, Carl. A big time. It's brilliant. I think, personally. It's a kind of dream pop, shoegazy, just mm-hmm. masterpiece in my life. But it's really very good. traditional, probably quite similar to Pristine and Heatwave. So, yeah. you know, do you want to put out three singles that are... Well, I mean, do, do you find this... Is this similar to Pristine and Heatwave? Am I... I think so. It has that. Am I like, imagining it? It has that big no. outro and and all the kind of usual beats that she's hit in the in the other songs. So yeah, it's a funny one. I thought this was like a, a tension release from the last couple of tracks. Being that being said, like it feels like major and uplifting, but the lyrics are pretty dark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it that was funny. Dark. I was like, here we go. Let's feel good. And yeah. Like oh shit. <laughs> Actually, what I I noticed this just recently um, when I was going through those lyrics is. Um, there is a lot of talk about sleep and um, breathing and and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but this is, I mean, if we're looking at thematics and things, um, especially early on here with that wa- underwater thing, mm. um, that does appear again as well in uh, track nine and deep sea, yeah. deep sea, um, which I guess it's going to if it's called deep sea. Well, exactly, um, yeah. But yeah, she um, does have recurring themes. Yeah, yeah. But this this really does feel thematic at this at that point. I will say too, because um, it drove me mad, and every all of this drives me mad. I know, especially 
Mike will be listening and this drives him mad when I'm listening to songs and I have I always hear other songs and other songs. It's not cool to do it ruins songs for other people. I'm so sorry. But I will ruin songs. Okay, cool. for, yeah, ruin it for everyone. Okay. Um no, I just think um I just think as soon as I heard this, Modern Man by Arcade Fire, I was I was like, there it is, straight away. I started singing along that song. So Dear listener, go and find Modern Man and ruin it for yourself. And ruin this beautiful please. song. But she but, has been known to be a fan, right? Yes, she has, Carl. Um, and I will read a YouTube quote for you from okay. someone on a um, he, he says it here a tiny desk concert video. It says I knew Lindsay when she was doing Arcade Fire Suburbs covers. Well, that, there and that you song go, is Chris. from the suburbs on YouTube and uploading them to Tumblr. I used to think she was so talented. For her age, and at that time, she was only 13 or so, we would chat now and again about our love for Arcade Fire and such. So, I think... Maybe that was at Rock Camp in between think, Publishing yeah, Rocks. Thing. You've got some good ears on your boy. I tell you what, it ruins it for everyone, yeah. including me. It drives me mad. But It's good, though. It's good to be able to spot the influence. Yeah. That's um, bullshit. I would, I would gladly give it up. Yeah. I don't know about you boys, but the section, I think it's like two, two and a half minutes in, uh, that like guitar strum section was that... The oh, one yeah, the outro, yeah, it's brilliant. God, it's good. It just, it gave me that thought of like being at a gig with one of your mates and you know this song's coming and they don't know, they have, maybe don't know the the artist as well as you do and you know this section's coming and you're looking at them the whole thing, like trying to get their eyes to be like, this bit, this bit. <laughs> and they're like, what? And you're and like, this bit coming right up. now. Yeah. And like, they're obviously, now. they're checking their phone or something. They're checking their phone, <laughs> you're raging. They're like, do you want another drink? You're like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to go to the loo. No. Exactly. Yeah. And it, yeah, I've just felt like this moment is one of those moments you probably, when you hear this live, you go mad for. And I'm sure well, people go, but your mate then goes, what, that bit? Yeah. I don't like this song. I don't Christmas, like this song. You, brought, <laughs> you yeah. brought me. I'm not into this band at all anyway. Chris is way too busy on his phone, like, right, Arcade Fire. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a pair of headphones Fuck. on. I've got my fingers in my ears going, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> my, uh, my reference for this one was a song called The Boy by Smashing Pumpkins, which is an old B-side, which has a similar vibe. So I'll put that up against your do you like the, Do you like the Smashing Pumpkins, Carl? No, they're all right. Yeah, they're bloody one of your favourites, aren't they? <laughs> Casual, but yeah, big uh, big outro on that. Yeah. Oh, the outro again, killer, killing killing the outro, really smashing it. Yeah, the um the song itself, I think, especially if it's going to be a single, you could you could you could paint a video on this easy. I oh, big time, yeah, easy, especially with that outro. Again, uh, playing that nostalgia card again, it yeah. just gives me those constant throwback vibes. I love yeah, it. I will say in the realm of video making as well, because I did I did see her talk about this. Um. She would like Kristen Stewart to direct a video for her. That was her. That was her thing. That's her yeah. shout. Hopefully, so. she's a better director than she is actress. <laughs> See you. <laughs> Sorry, Kristen. See you. Kristen. I'm sure you're great. I'm sure Twilight was not a good reference point for you. I've never seen another film. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a film with her in. She's in. She's in so many famous films as a little girl. She's playing a little girl. She, no, she, as an she, adult. Oh. They cut the floor out and they get to stand <laughs> oh, up. Oh, God's sake. Christa, She's a, Kristen, darling, can you um, can you be a child? I'm going to look it up and tell you after the <laughs> next tune and you're going to eat your word, you asshole. This is track eight, full control. <laughs> Okay, 
Okay, that was track eight, Full Control. Good song, I'd say. Banger. It wasn't, it was definitely not my favorite on the album. And if I had to organize the album in terms of favorites, this would be towards the bottom, but doesn't take anything away from it because it is actually a great song with a great chorus. I'd say it's, um, I think you'd be forgiven to think that this was the song before, in a uh, sense. From Gold, to Golden Dream. Yeah, I feel like back to back they had similar starts. They felt like they were going the same way. Mm-hmm. But I do think this is a really good song. It wasn't a favorite of mine either. From I, I quite like it. It's it's up. It's, it's a grower. It's, uh, yeah, 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 that's fair. I like the um, I like what she does with the the chord structure and stuff. Yeah, it's constantly yes. shifting. Mm. Although the vocal line follows a traditional verse yeah. bit, but it's always it has loads more dynamics to the verse. Yeah. Chord changes and yeah, it's interesting. It's, and and then I think the stability of the chorus is a nice payoff. Yeah, especially because it's such a rise. Yeah, yeah. That's a bunch a of, uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of backing vocals and harmony yeah, in it, it as well. It like grounds itself, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I actually, yeah, I do really like the song. I, it's, it's for me, it's and, for it, me. and it builds. The verse builds because it sounds like she, she does one line in a certain tone, almost monotone. Yeah, and then when she does a chord change, her voice goes up mm-hmm. slightly in register. Yeah, and that happens all the way through the verse, leading to the chorus, which is a big leap in terms of um, vocal range. So yeah, yeah. It definitely has movement. I'll tell you what line I like, and if you spill your guts, and I love the way she says it, if you spill your guts, just really just pushes it out real quick. Like spill that. your That's guts. Cool. Spill yeah. your guts, yeah. Um, I just think, yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a cool song. I, I I will stand by this song. I will, yeah. I will not have it at the bottom of my list, let's put it that way. Yeah, well, you have been playing it on guitar in my house today. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> did anyone see the article that she did with the New York Times? It's called um, Rock's Not Dead, It's Ruled by Women. I didn't see that. No, I didn't see it. It's funny because obviously, you know, this is a relationship album, isn't it, to a degree? And um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the quote that she said in it was, um, women are expected to write outside of relationships because it's deemed as being trivial and dumb. And some sad white boy can get up on the microphone and be like, I miss my girlfriend. Yeah, it's true. And I thought that's a fair comment. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a problem how women in music are definitely pigeonholed a lot pigeonholed into genre and things they can write about generally catapulted into pop songs that are not written by them and creativity is is taken away in a big way and i think she is very um particular in how she is represented in the media especially yeah she doesn't want anyone referencing her age her sexual preference the fact that she's a woman she's very much take me as an artist and take me as i am don't put me in with everyone else and don't pigeonhole me in girl bands you know and that definitely feeds into that and i think it's something that she feels passionately about Fair bloody play. I will say though um, that she does talk about this song being a particularly angry um, record, uh, mm. a angry song on the record. Um, she calls it um, she calls it pissy, um, and I think she says somewhere gives no fucks on this, and and it, mm. and it feels like that in the um, in the focus of the lyrics. I think yeah, compared to a lot of the a lot of the songs that came before this, I feel like she's on the other end of. She's almost being the character that she's been addressing in a lot of the other songs. Yeah. Um, she, she's, she's in control. It's called full control, isn't it? For yeah. For fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. it's true. It definitely has a, um, has more of that. But, but the, the content of it and the way it's written is quite happy. It's another one of those, like Charlie referenced with Golden Dream. Although it's a happy on the face of it, it's quite dark. And in this one, happy on the face of it, but quite um, angry. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Um, she does also say in a in a different interview with um, with someone, I think it was their first interview with an artist, I think, um, and she talks about hearing a particular line as, um, 
even when it's love, she hears Stephen Wentworth. And then... Um, Shout out to out, Stephen Wentworth. St- yeah, St- <laughs> Stephen, if you're out there, get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> your, car's bu- your car's blocking in another car, in the car park. Um, but um, she uh, she did sing Stephen in that. She does say that she sang Stephen That's in that amazing. in order to, to, which is uh, almost as bad as some of your trivia, Charlie, but... It's um, up there. I mean, you're, you're doing the numbers, I'm doing the words. Um, but in that same interview, she does say, uh, she does invite the interviewer up on stage to play guitar during their gigs. So. And I think, it, I assume it happens. So. Yeah. I mean, if she did get up, she was probably out of her depth. Anyway, this is track number <laughs> nine, Deep Sea. <laughs> no, you can't do that more than once. Track nine, Deep Sea. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. You've all watched Panic Room, haven't you? Panic Room. I have seen really pa- famous I haven't film. seen Panic Room. Yeah, I've seen Panic Room. Who's in that film? Lindsay Jones. Oh, she is. Uh, <laughs> Kristen Stewart. It is Kristen Stewart, isn't Kristen, it? She's, really? There you she's, go. She's, a, girl play, she's a, a small girl playing a small girl, isn't she? She's a small girl playing a small girl. Well wow. done. <laughs> well done. Are you, Thanks, pleased, man. are you pleased with yourself? I wondered why you were looking Welcome at your phone. Welcome to the podcast. Yourself. Next up, Deep Sea. <laughs> Great. Good to know. Thank you. We'd maybe watch that one tonight. We'll watch Panic Room tonight. Yeah. Kristen, if you're out there, we're going to give you another chance. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're the arbiter of this. You're yeah, the, you're I'm the, the gatekeeper you're of Kristen Stewart's yeah, entire career. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Deep deep Sea. I love Good this. Song. I love very, this. Very tranquil. Yeah. It is. It's like being on a boat, really, isn't it? It is a bit like being on a boat. Yeah, and she yeah. makes a lot of references to breathing again. And and yeah, it definitely has a, uh, some imagery. Dark again. Dark imagery. Yeah, yeah dark. Is he yeah. drowning some? Yeah. Drowning someone. someone someone's drowning. Someone's, someone's, someone's going under. Someone's having a hard one. <laughs> and, and, a hard one? And like the reference to um, breathing in twos and fours, like that's oh, a yeah, really, yeah. very cool. good line, really good line. One of my faves on the album. Yeah. yeah. A, a really cool line. And Di- she does reference, Die, my love. Die, my love, yeah. Is that line one, is it? <laughs> that's, is it? Li- that's line one of verse two. Yeah. Die, my love. Cool. All right. Um, yeah, okay. Thank you. Yes, I will. Yeah, I will. <laughs> just give me a minute. Um, Let me just check if Kristen Stewart's in that. This feels... <laughs> Like the most lush. Oh, I've had enough. And that concludes this I've episode. Thank you for coming. <laughs> lush song on the um on the album though, doesn't it? That's it why she nice. chose the word lush for this album. She did because of the textural yeah. quality. Yeah. Because she, she and then she she's she's in an interview where she says, "I did also find out in England they or she say maybe in Wales they use it as lush." Charlie uses it on the regular. I love that word. Gert Lesh. Gert Lesh. Bloody Gert Lesh. Gert Lesh. <laughs> uh, but she does, she does refer, she does use it for re- reference to the textual quality. Yeah, mm. I, I put it in the same vein as Let's Find an Out. Um, this song. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it had the drop in tempo. I felt like it felt more soundscapey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we get into that time signature as well. Yeah, we? the time yeah. is a big swing to it. Is yeah. that in, is Let's Find an Out, is that, is that in... It is, yes, sorry, yeah. Yeah, 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 sorry. This is in, is this in 3-4, is it three, a swing? Yeah, I think it's 3-4. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, this is quite swung, so it has a kind of waltzy feel to it, and exactly. it definitely, that con- contrasted with the idea of deep sea and the imagery, it's almost like the rocking of a boat, the timing is quite waltzy. Um, oh, nice. There you go, that's a, pre- that's a pre- pretentious insight Watch for you. Yeah. But um, it was really welcome for me, this track, and like, uh, there was vocal harmony, I feel like everything was was texturized way more. Mm-hmm. Um. 
And I suppose that's very fitting with what it's all about, this tune and yeah. lyrical content and like you, you know. And the delivery and yeah, yeah. She, she plays into her accent quite a lot in this one. You hear a lot more yeah. um, hard R's in some of the words she's yeah. saying. She definitely plays in to that quite a bit, but yeah, a good song. I'm here fumbling through the artwork here looking for James Richardson's name because I will shout out that French horn on that song, man. Oh, yeah. I, love a, I love a good French horn. James, if you're listening, <laughs> you are blocking in the car that's blocking in the other car <laughs> in the car park. <laughs> Um, no, that, that French horn part, and there's, and there's another little guitar. I mean, this isn't a record that's got, it's definitely of, got an Ebo on it. Let's, that, I'm calling that. Well, you can have the, you can have the Ebo. You're if calling I take the, flute I'm, or? I'm calling, oh, well, the Ebo section. What, yeah. what song even is that? The Ebo, we've talked about that's the. That's in this one. No, it's not. It's is in, it? um, it's in Golden Dream. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was Pan Pipes. Okay. F flute. Flautist, flautist, oh. harmonica. But this one hundred percent is a French horn because it's listed in the in the album. It credits. is listed. I'm, I am looking at album um, artwork by Mike Zimmerman. It says designed by Mike Zimmerman, Bob Dylan's son, third cousin, I think. Probably. Yeah. Um, I did love this song though. I I really enjoyed this song. It is nice. It's it's a it's. I do enjoy a departure from. The, the sparseness and going right in on on the the, the warmth of that yeah mm -hmm. instrumentation and stuff like that here's a question for you i got to the end of the song knowing that the next song was obviously the last song on the album mm -hmm. and i was hoping for something that kind of meshed these two different feelings together the kind of faster tempo track she has the pristines and everything and then your deep seas and let's find it out i was hoping for like a hybrid of those two to round out the album mm -hmm. yeah and we all know what comes next. And I was, yeah. I wasn't surprised, but I was kind of, I don't know. You were yeah. left hankering. I was. How long did it take you? Were you were left anchoring. Oh. And this is the final track on the album. This is <laughs> track 10, Anytime. anchoring joke didn't make sense anyway when let's not do any more of those yeah had enough, <laughs> yeah. Had enough it didn't make jokes. any sense all right well you, you really do god i'm so embarrassed i know sorry everyone listening especially kristen stewart um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank, thank goodness we're at the end <laughs> so uh yeah track 10 that was any time um how long did it take you my question to realize that that was a the intro essentially oh days days yeah, yeah. Actually, it, it, a few listens of the album because I was listening on it as a background listen. Yeah. But when it came around, I was like, God, this sounds familiar. I wonder why. I, I have no idea why. Mm. Um, but a few listens through of the album, I think. I think you'd be forgiven. And I, I, I suppose that a lot of the premise of this podcast even is that you listen to it as a piece of work. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you're not necessarily going to be skipping through this. And yeah. And there's so much that happens in between those two songs that you can almost... Exactly, leave. yeah. yeah. If, you, if you were listening to the album and when it got to the end, it started again. That's when you'd notice yeah. track 10 to track yeah. one. Yeah. But yeah, really good. I, I think it's, it's nice. I, I wonder, um, chicken and the egg style, which came first, whether the intro was how it was originally and track 10 is the polished version or whether they had this song and was like, Hmm, this would be a good way to start the album to set the scene. I, don't I know. think it's, a, I think it's a good song. I think it's a strong song. I'd be surprised if this came out of a, a, a short and in, I, you know, it, it sounds like it has more agency than that to me. Do you think on a on a um, observational basis that having 
the intro reprise the last song on the album cheapens the last song on the album do you find that it's no you take it less seriously no not at all so you don't consider Opposite. it almost an outro where it's kind of disposable no yeah. no not at all i think it's i think it's clever i've i've been playing around with the idea of why you want to do why anyone would choose to do that anyway mm. um because it's, because when you get to this point i i know i said during the intro about the differences and stuff like that um but this feels like a a more mature version of that song. Yeah. Just, I guess it's bound to because it's more fleshed out, um, has more, you know, it has more body to it. Mm -hmm. um, but opposing that, so we, we've got, we've got that level of maturity in opposition to that. When you're through an album and you're, you, you, you get to this point where the lyrical content has now gone back to the, I love you. I love you's. Um, because I know that she do, she does talk about this somewhere. Um, she describes it. Look, please bear with me here. Yeah, I think whilst whilst you seek out that point, um, in fact, did you find it? You know, I've got oh, it. Go I've got it. it. Yeah. I've got it. So she she's talking about full control at first, and she says that that is pissy. Whereas any time in particular is like, I love you. Um, I'm crying, writing it passionately about this one person and saying you suck i hate you but at the end of the day i totally love you so like this unconditional love no matter what happens you've still got my love basically yeah. and i think that is such a an interesting thing to think about at the end of a record that feels like maturity but you know it, it has anything ultimately it has she learned anything yeah, throughout well, the course of this that's album? the consideration i think that's a good point to make is that this is a a bookend at the end of the album and, yeah. and assuming that what I read was, was correct in that each song was written potentially about a different person. This would be a collection of her life so far in yeah. terms of relationships. Yeah. And the last song is almost, has she learned anything after all of this has it's, happened? It's definitely like one of my GCSE science papers. And it's like, <laughs> I did my, you know how you always have like your conclusion at the end that you draw and you underline, you'd be like, here we go. Oh yeah. And I start writing like this experiment was good because of this and the other. Then I'd be like, Fuck! Haven't actually learned anything. I've not learned a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've and not it, learned a it's thing. Funny, isn't it? it was always said to you in those lessons that even if you didn't learn anything, the experiment was worth carrying out. Is that what they say? I think so. Mm. Or if you didn't prove anything, I didn't have a teacher that good. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "You bloody idiot!" Yeah, I think, boy, yeah. get out in the hallway, boy. Tuck your belt in. Yeah, Punch summit. Nothing like that. But yeah, yeah. good track. Um, yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? That that's the conclusion to the album. But like you say, it doesn't necessarily conclude. No, well, hmm. that's the that's the circular aspect of it. Yeah, is uh, some films do that where they begin again, and yeah. you're like, oh, okay, so this works in a this works in a big circle. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great thing to do. That's interesting. That's a cool cool idea and that theme, like the fact that it is circular. Like you can. Hmm. I mean, I probably wouldn't do all of the other songs again after this, and then uh, you know, <laughs> Just or, keep or slightly them different. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like bringing them, the, them down a key and making them more lush and lush and lush and richer. Oh. Um, but um, it's definitely a, an interesting concept. Yeah, and I will, I will stand by it. I think it's a, it's a decent thing to do. Yeah, more people should be doing it. Yeah, it's like when a TV show has the intro yeah. and then a kind of alternate version at the end. Yeah. this is that in reverse. It's almost a. A nice gentle put into bed after uh yeah after a long and emotional definitely a good way to uh, to end the album though and not like that gentle ease yeah. out of the album mm -hmm. is nice yeah gently put to bed well done Lindsay 
Well done, Lindsay. It's, it's really good album. You feel yeah, sad really after good. the after this or not? Is it a, in, in general, like I say, I keep referring to like the nostalgic element of it. Yeah. To me, I I definitely have a lot of that. I I enjoy wallowing in the yeah. possible sadness of, of nostalgia. I mean, she so, talk, yeah. she talks about Elliot Smith a lot, and if you want to go and wallow, go and listen to Elliot Smith. I say so. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a there's a, a positive there's a there's a happy melancholy in this song, maybe. Yeah, yeah well, melancholy is in that kind of, in yeah. itself, a kind of happy sadness yeah. that, that makes you feel a certain way. And so, yeah, I definitely got elements of sadness to it, but in a way that makes you look back in a happy way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm totally with you on that same same feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I just drag one more quote in, just, just as we're finishing up, I Please guess? Please do, yeah. Because um, it's useful now that we are on episode one of a podcast of critical evaluation of other people's work um i I just i just thought this was a um a wonderful thing to um to realize i guess or or to mull over so uh this was from mitski so um lindsay is addressing a a tweet that mitski um had posted so mitski is one of her one of her idols one of her idols that are still writing now i think they they released or she released in the same year as lush in 2018 so the the tweet the original tweet read I've received a little too much attention for people's liking lately. As with all art, I'd love if you got something out of mine. But if you didn't, that's okay. It's not for you. I'm grateful either way for this job. I'll keep working to earn the lucky position I'm in. I don't take it for granted. And what Lindsay got from that was it actually kind of gave me some self-assurance last night when I read that. I was like, okay, people also hate something that I consider to be incredible. And I think that's a, a decent thing to take on board. That's very cool. It's a good way to prep yourself for inevitable criticism. Yeah. 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 And it's it's completely true. You could make something that you deem to be really, really quite special and lots of people will shit on it and mm-hmm. fuck them if they do. Yeah. Because it's not for them. And um, we, we live in a world now which is a way more accessible in terms of music. If you're a, a creator or an artist, you can get your music out way easier than you could in, in the past. And so you have the creative freedom to be more outside of your box, which is, which is good. It's a good time for music, although it's competitive and although there's a lot of bad music, I would consider, um, taking over the mainstream, um, there's a lot of good. And I think with it being so accessible, we have a lot more chance of people like Lindsay breaking out and getting into our ears. Sure. For sure. Good choice, Carl. Very good choice. Uh, yeah. I, uh, for week one, that is a solid... A solid, solid selection there. I yeah, think. it's a good. I, I do love it. I love it a lot. And um, I know she's been writing and is currently writing slash recording. So hopefully we might see a new project. Maybe yeah, this there year. was there was a single out. I think last uh, well, two thousand and nineteen. Mm-hmm. I think uh, so. Maybe something will be on the way. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And definitely now knowing more about that album for sure. Yeah. Um, don't know if I would have got to that, and I'm. I'm yeah. chuffed that I did. Well, I'm glad well, we all said, did. Yeah. Pristina would make it onto a playlist of, of top songs for sure. Yeah. Great. So if, if at the very least, I'm happy with that. Cool. Shout out to Nail Mail. Um, and then, yeah, Chris, you'll be next week's, um, you'll be choosing next week's album. I have if already like chosen to, next week's album. If you'd like to announce that I to will. the people. So this is um, one that um, was, that I really enjoyed growing up actually. And I, I haven't listened to it in a, in a good few years and it's Mean Everything to Nothing by Manchester Orchestra. Okay. A band I really like. Do cool. you... Very cool. I'm not aware of that album. I've had, I've had a couple of songs, maybe Max, but never gone into a... Not album. from Manchester. They're an American band. 
Um, but that'll be um, that'll be next week. I can't wait. They're they're an amazing band. I I adore that band. So great. Look forward to it. So everyone who's listening, if you want to go away, listen to that album. Um, please do kind of if you can afford to buy it, buy it from Bandcamp or iTunes or wherever you can get access to their music. It means a lot to the band and the artist in a world where music is becoming less and less of a profitable endeavor and more of a creative and less fruitful endeavor. It's means the world to artists and i think mm-hmm. we should all do our best to support that for sure um and yeah i guess that kind of wraps us up um any kind of closing remarks before we ride out no i just say um if any of you enjoyed the podcast however you heard about this first episode i don't know whether you're listening to this relatively recent to when we recorded it or further down the line any reviews comments are appreciated yeah we'd love leave. to tell we'd love this to be um a a podcast that really reacts with those that listen we want you to be on board this is a a sort of a music club of sorts mm-hmm. yeah we want to collaborate as much with you guys offering any kind of insights you want and we'll read them out and and talk about them and make you part of the conversation yeah if you want this to be a numbers based pro- uh podcast let me know yeah. i'm happy to take it over <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll i'll take one i'll take one statistic now if you don't mind how many listeners do we have right now on episode one. How many comments in the comment section, Joe? Let's, let's find out. It's looking bloody bleak out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a barren wasteland out there. Any, any voicemails? <laughs> I'll check those as well. Let me dial it up a minute. No, maybe next week. Be right. Maybe next week. Can't cool. be full next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, cool. Well, um, yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you for listening and supporting the show. Um, come back to the next episode where we'll be looking at... Manchester orchestras mean everything to nothing. Thank you and goodbye. See you later. Cheers and go. Thanks for listening to Between the Tracks, a book club but for music. Written, produced and presented by Carl Lewis, Chris Bunt and Charlie Fowler. Intro and outro music by Ross Chapman and Samson Jetto. Artwork by Jim Hurd at Twinfin Design Co. Thanks to our friends at Sennheiser for the support. If you've enjoyed this album and can afford to buy it directly from the artist, links have been added to our website.